Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast 2.0, a monthly podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft. The Homeschool Loft is a homeschool parent resource center based in Northeast Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and to let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, discussion groups, workshops and seminars, a monthly newsletter, a blog, and events of various types. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And now, the hosts of the Homeschool Loftcast 2.0, Tina Hollenbeck and Chris Yeager. Today we are welcoming Elizabeth Tweedale to our podcast. Um, Elizabeth is the owner of Coco Coders, cococoders.com, and she's also the founder and CEO of the UK's leading coding resource for children, as well as an AI creator, an author, an entrepreneur, and a mother of three. Uh, In addition to all of that, as I mentioned, she's currently filling an educational gap in the U.S. curriculum with her company, Coco Coders. She and her international team are on a mission to raise the profile of computer science, dispel common coding myths along the way, and give kids the education they need to be future ready. So tonight... Uh, or today, whenever you're listening, um, I and Chris and Steve are all here to speak with Elizabeth. Welcome, Elizabeth. Chris and I are actu- actually have our producer Steve here with us today because Steve is a software developer by day. I am. And uh, so he speaks your language. <laughs> which is Amazing. Perfect. Um, but we're gonna before we jump into that, um, let's start with a little bit about your family and your experience with homeschooling. I know that you haven't been a long-term homeschooler, but you did homeschool for a short time. And so why don't you tell us about that? Like when you did it, why, and for how long? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, As you said, I haven't been a long-time homeschooler, but I have enjoyed the little bits that I found out about. I am a mother of three. So my eldest, Jaden, is 14. He's our uh, mini homeschooler. Uh, And then we have a 12-year-old daughter and a four-year-old daughter as well, Ocean and Rose. Um, And we recently just relocated back to the U.S. uh, after 14 years in the U.K. And as part of that, of course, all the kids joined new schools, um, new lives, things like that. And you know, partway through the year with Jaden, he was in doing the ninth grade curriculum. He's sort of the age of an eighth grader, but coming from the UK system and all that different moving parts, we had put him in the ninth grade. Um, and we um, had a very sort of traumatic experience at school where one of his close friends, uh, his ski buddy, he was sort of a ski school where you um, do your classwork in the morning and then you can ski in the afternoon. But sadly, he committed suicide in his dorm room um, in sort of late February and um, which of course is devastating and very traumatic for any family or any school to go through but you know I thought okay well the school should surely provide support and things like that for for all the students which they were but then quite a few of his teachers ended up quitting as well so at that point having been in education in the UK and thinking, okay, you know, a system works. I've seen a little bit about the American system, obviously based on my accent, I'm American. So grew up here, but it's different (laughs) educating than being educated in the system. As we all know, Um, I thought, 
this isn't cool. We need to to pull him out. That doesn't seem like a good environment for him or for any of those kids if the teachers aren't also sticking around. So we mm-hmm. took him out and I sort of jumped in feet first or head first. I don't even know which one, but <laughs> maybe a cannonball right into the homeschooling pool, registered him and then just started down the pathway to figuring out what it actually is that a 14-year-old boy needs to be learning at this point in his life, you know, with everything that's going on in the world today. So that was sort of our jump into homeschooling and, you know, my kind of family situation here in the U.S., but it's been an exciting ride so far. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but you're not still homeschooling, Jaden. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, before we had taken him out um, of school, we had looked into a ski academy um, because, I mean, long story short, but Jane was not my kind of athletic kid by any means in England, you know. (laughs) So when we moved here um, and he started skiing and he was like, oh, I want to try out for this free ride team. I was like, "What, what even is that? Well, we jump off of things and we choose our lines and like, okay, and tried out for the team sort of mid-season and made the team. So finding something, especially in athletics, because my husband was a professional athlete. And so, you know, kind of held this important piece, you know, of his past, you know, in on one side, finding something that Jane was passionate about, we thought, great, go, go all in. So we had found this other ski academy that we had already registered for. And I, um, so kind of, I knew that he would be transitioning into that. So it was a hard choice to say, should he go back to that? But I also thought, you know, my husband and I are both entrepreneurs, which is not always the most stable environment for, for children. And our son Jane's actually on the spectrum. So a regular kind of dictated, you know, <laughs> schedule every day has worked wonders for him in the past. He boarded when he was in England. And so this was also kind of a weekly boarding. Still gets to come home to us on the weekends, but Hmm. that structure was um, something we were really looking for. And I felt even just in my experience with our homeschooling, I guess, semester and a bit, um, Hmm. that was really difficult for me to provide for him. I think he got a lot out of our, um, I called them projects that we, we did together um, during homeschooling. I My favorite is still uh, our first assignment, which was write a 1500 word essay on the importance of empathy for a 14 year old boy. And you can have ChatGPT write it for you as long as you have ChatGPT write three or four second iterations to make it personalized and more researched. And so the first you know output, he was like, this looks pretty good. I'm like, well, that tells me nothing about you and has no research to back it up. So then, you know, he had to interject these questions to essentially make the AI write what it was supposed to, or kind of come up with mm-hmm. the things that were informed and researched and actually had quality content behind them. So that was kind of our first kickoff into homeschooling. <laughs> I was, I guess, maybe like in the English section of my, my curriculum, but also with That's AI. That's like an so... AI creator thing to do, though, because I'm like, I... ooh, over my head. Steve's probably like, yeah, I get it, but yeah, I don't yeah, know about you, Chris. I, I... 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. I don't know if this is going off on a tangent, but I do think it is fascinating. We have over 100 teachers that we work with, uh, with Coco coders uh, that teach for us. And the kind of underpinning fear and thing that's always on our, our chat is how do I deal with this chat GPT thing? Because I don't know now who's cheating, who's yeah. not cheating. Can we just make sure that it's not on any of their school laptops? Um, yes, you can, you can do that. Yeah. But at the same time, in the future, it is a tool that they'll be able to use. So why don't we figure out how to educate people, you know, our, our children using that, but also kind of getting their voice through it and understanding what's right about it and what's wrong about it. And that's what I found the most fascinating from when Jaden did his essay was he said, at first I read and I said, oh, I sound really smart, mom. You should definitely read my paper. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then I read it again and I realized that thing really repeats itself. And Mm -hmm. there's not actually a lot of depth to the content. And I'm like, Exactly. So how do you get that in there? And you're right. You might turn that into your teacher and they'll be like, wow, great. This is good for, you know, an eight-year-old, but Jaden, you're 14. You can do better. Really big language, but not a lot of content. And so, you know, even just figuring those things out about it was, you know, a big success in my mind, in my um, kick into homeschooling, I guess. So yeah, it was definitely interesting. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that chat GPT is a big thing in some homeschool communities too. They're talking about it in the online groups that I'm in. And I'm kind of glad my girls are graduated because I kind of don't want to do with it. It is opening a big wormhole <laughs> to just knowing how to navigate that is tricky for all of us, whether we're in tech like you, Steve, mm-hmm. or, you know, just regular parents, which I feel like most of the time, you know. Yeah. And that's one question, one of the things that I had um, wondered going into this, obviously you're in the technical field, I'm a developer. How do you see the growth and, I mean, there's no stopping the development in AI affecting, it it goes to learning, it goes to work in in school, it goes to actual code development. Where do you see it going? Well, I think um, that's a great question. It's going faster and faster and faster. So what we're seeing now and you know even in the last few months six months with the kind of release of chat gpt and then everything kind of spiraling off of that it's only going to go faster i mean it's like the you know the dot-com age you know remember when right. who's this jeff bezos selling books online and then it starts <laughs> to you know go from there it's that exact same thing again so it shouldn't be something that we sort of put to the side or ignore it should be something that we embrace and figure out how to make our children more confident than we are. I mean, yeah. you know, I remember speaking to my grandma, grandmother Rose, who, you know, still was figuring out how to use a computer when she was 90. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, I just have to figure this out. But how much more easily did, you know, people of our generation figure it out? And mm-hmm. That's sort of the same thing that's happening with AI. I mean, I still find it, you know, kind of scary. And I don't really know about, you know, should I learn more about cryptocurrencies and all of these NFTs and all of that good stuff? And I'm actually in tech. So what about the rest of us parents that are like, (laughs) but the, the thing I always kind of come back to is that my grandmother, again, she accepted the fact 
that she would not know more about the internet and that we would know more. And I think that's a really difficult thing for parents or grandparents to accept when we're supposed to be the kind of bearer of all knowledge, you know, and the ones that can be like, oh, yes, you know, I might not be the best at math, but I went through my math classes and I can figure out how to pull the resources together to deliver this to you in a way that is going to be engaging for you. But we've not been trained in AI and coding. I mean, maybe we had a touch typing class in high school, (laughs) (laughs) but that's kind of kind of the extent to it. So I think the first the first step is always accepting that our children will know more than us in coding, you know, AI, the future of technology and how to use it and how to wield it and accept first and foremost, then we kind of can flip the model on its head and say, okay, well, how can I be the one that allows my child to educate me or can at least get involved in their learning, whether it's, you know, sitting next to them as they're building Minecraft houses or, you know, (laughs) I don't know, um, you know, making their first website. I don't know. (laughs) How did you get that box there? So yeah, yeah, I think it's it's definitely not stopping, Steve, but I think that's exactly what you're getting at. So Tell us a little bit about Coco Coders and how long has it been around? We'll have a link in the show notes, but I'd really like to hear more about what it is you're doing. Great. Yeah, of course. So a year ago, uh, same time I moved back to the U.S. here, we launched Coco Coders uh, to offer online classes for children, uh, coding classes. Um, But we've actually been teaching kids to code for many years through um, my sister company. It's called Cypher Coders, which launched in the UK. Um, that has uh, was when I was living abroad for those 14 years. And um, Cypher Coders has actually become the UK's leading coding school for kids. Mm-hmm. And so uh, computer science is part of the national curriculum in the UK, which mm-hmm. is great. I think wow. it's only the fourth country in the world to have that as part of its national curriculum. Steve is so jealous. that was I something am. that... <laughs> 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 I know. Like, we were getting there slowly, (laughs) slowly, slowly, but that's the advantage of homeschoolers, right? We can get it in there now and we don't have to wait for all of the bureaucracy to catch up with with the world around us. So um, (laughs) when moving back to the US, I knew that, um, you know, my team and I were in a great position to respond to the sort of growing need of um, tech education and so designed these online uh, courses exclusively for the children here in the US, not least to sort of fill that that skills gap that we're seeing in the workforce out there, but also just to get children future ready is what we like to call it, to give them that confidence to use and harness the power of technology using communication, collaboration, problem solving, which is, you know, what what is the most important for their futures in my mind. Um, and so, yeah, essentially it's a one hour a week uh, after school or during the day because we're in lots of time zones, which is great for homeschoolers, uh, course. And it's led live online by our um, teachers. So we have lots of professional teachers, software developers, computer science graduates, um, and we vet all of those um, those wonderful people, train them up, and they're amazing with kids. So they're there to kind of 
take these kids on uh, their journey of learning coding and computer science. Uh, my favorite part about the lessons is that we we theme all of our projects to make them really exciting um, for kids. Actually, over half of our kids are girls, which, you know, oh. being the only girl in computer <laughs> science when I uh, did my degree was, is you know, a, a big win in my mind. But I think that the fact that we have a lot of girls actually just goes to show that those themes like magic or space or things that kids really are excited about, like building their own business, um, attracts a lot broader range of child. So yes, you get half girls, but you also get those boys that aren't the kind of techie gamer geeks. That that was me as a child. So I can say that and not be <laughs> offensive <laughs> to those boys because I, I was the techie gamer geek. Um, <laughs> uh, so our, our classes really tried to engage the kids at their level, which was something I had to kind of start and work on when we were starting this because Computer science historically, aside from logo back in the 70s, for those that were lucky enough to, to learn it as kids, has really been developed for, uh, you know, university level learning. So mm -hmm. a lot of people sort of translate that and say, okay, this is how we teach JavaScript. So we're going to do that for kids. That's not how children's brains work. Right. So right. you went right back to the drawing board and understood what's, you know, the difference between how a girl's brain and a boy's brain are at age eight. And yes, I know that's, you know, maybe gender stereotyping, but actually they kind of fit into different buckets and watch them it's on the playground. right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, how do we develop something that's going to take that competitive drive of the, the nine-year-old boy and the really in-depth kind of figuring out the story behind why I'm making a space and dangerous game for, for the girls, bring those things together and deliver something that's going to not only engage them, but that's going to sink in. And so we use a spiral curriculum to kind of readdress the concepts over and over and over again to lay down the fundamentals. So it's not about, you know, teaching your kid Python. We use a lot of different coding languages so that they actually understand the fundamentals and the principles and then can apply those to whatever technology or technological language they they want to learn steve i don't know what what's your favorite coding language or your i'm i'm in the the net full stack type just yeah. actually today realized they're going to start moving me into cloud computing as well so oh very cool 30 years <laughs> in the field and i'm going to get into something new so yay yeah very <laughs> but as long as you have those principles you can kind mm -hmm. of meander meander yep. about Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a C++ oh, person myself, which Okay, I've very worked there as well. And... <laughs> oh, I started with Fox Pro. So Oh yeah. yeah. Set your way back. I learned right. it when I was <laughs> Plus is still like an active going concern yeah. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> yeah. I, I I learned Fortran in school, so Yeah, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say during his career, I've watched him work through different languages, environments. I have yep. no idea what it's, it means, but yeah, it's all, it's all structured language. So beyond that, it's just yeah. what verbs and what, yeah, what the syntax is. Oh, that one mm -hmm. doesn't have semicolons, and that one has extra ones, no, and like brackets, yeah. and but really, they're all they're all saying the same things. And that's actually how I sort of came to teach computer science to kids. My my background is actually in architecture. And so I had a master's in architecture and was um, designing things using code, like, you know, the the 
Apple campus or the, the Gherkin, those kinds of things are all designed using code. And I saw a lot of my, you know, colleagues trying to teach themselves Python in order to kind of level up in architecture, but because they didn't have any foundation of to why loops were the way they were or variables worked this way and not the other way, they really, really struggled. And I thought, yep. okay, this is something that if architects need to know it, everyone is going to need to know it. Not because they're going to become developers like, you know, Steve and I, but because that's the thing that's going to be kind of underlying their their careers in whatever career they might choose to pursue. And so that's, you know, when I, I started teaching kids how to code and over 10 years ago now. So okay. <laughs> it's um, definitely already seen in industry. And like we spoke about at the beginning, we'll only continue and get faster, I think, as time goes on. Yikes. I'm, I'm thinking about, are there any careers that don't need to know coding? Like maybe <laughs> Amish farmers or something? But... <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I know Starbucks is kind of a go there, don't go there. But when you're traveling, at least you know what you're getting, right? So we were traveling. Yeah. Okay, we'll go to Starbucks. I thought, but that barista need to know how to code. And I looked around, I'm like, they are surrounded with so much technology and buttons. And if something goes down, you're like, okay, coding 101, or how we call it technology 101, unplug, plug it back in. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, they they might not have to reprogram their whole machine, but they can at least call up tech support and say, this is happening and that is happening. So it's also just speaking the language of technology and understanding what is behind the scenes. So yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and I know when, I mean, we all work remotely now, so when we've got an issue and I call into support, I always preface it by saying, I've been in IT for 30 years, here's what I've done, here's what I'm seeing, and it's not just somebody going, it's broken, fix it. <laughs> yes, and you probably and have a much shorter call than most people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. Um. You kind of mentioned this earlier on, but just to kind of clarify, when kids do Cocoa Coders, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, is it for ages six to 12? Am I yep, remembering from your right. website? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, they, they learn more than coding, right? I know yeah. that's part of what you do, but what are the other things that kids get at? <laughs> yeah, great question. So, you know, coding is sort of kind of the one-liner in my mind and sort of the buzzword because we know that parents are actually our biggest advocates and it's that thing that's being talked about in the, in the news. So coding's kind of the one-liner, but behind that, the things that I think are the most important for us to lay the foundations for our, for our children are things that we use in our everyday lives. Like you're saying, you know, working remotely, Steve, is communication, collaboration, and again, coming back to problem solving using technology. And that is kind of the main you know, pieces, and you might notice that a lot of those words start with co, so kind of <laughs> is like behind the scenes with Coco. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. Communication. I thought it was a way to draw yes. girls in, right? Coco sounds kind of like a feminine <laughs> thing, and you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that as well. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Coco Chanel. <laughs> My dog's name was Coco, so it came from a lot of different <laughs> places, but you know, it, it seems to roll off the tongue. Uh, yeah. But that collaboration and communication piece is really important because, you know, being 
a, a software developer in the past, I created, you know, AI models and I had a tech team myself and created an AI business in the sort of prop tech space. One of the things that I saw was that this is not, you know, one guy, no offense, Steve, but it's always the cliche guy sitting in a dark room with a green screen, like, <laughs> hiding on that's not the real world. <laughs> I've known coders like that, but no, most of us are not. <laughs> Yes, but and also most of the, those people are not, you know, working in the real world. They're like, right. <laughs> yeah, their own their own project. So what I found was that communication between colleagues and talking through problems was one of the kind of fundamental pieces that actually set people apart from, you know, different levels of their proficiency. So uh, coders always use this thing called a, a duck. So you talk to the duck because sometimes you can solve your problem by just saying what your problem is out loud. Mm -hmm. But we also have this thing called paired programming where you literally, like I would sit next to Steve, Steve would be actually coding, but I'd just be sitting there next to him. And it's actually proven that you have almost three times the kind of output that you would just sitting and coding by yourself, because there's something really beautiful and special that happens when we work together to try to solve these problems, um, you know, that we're facing in technology or just general day-to-day -day tasks, you know, with, with colleagues, that kind of thing. So getting those skills in early is, you know, really important for us to help, you know, develop in our, our children for their, for their future. Um, and the problem solving piece is just, you know, kind of goes along with that to, to back that up is okay. With things like ChatGPT and all of the AI models that are out there, yes, you can get answers very quickly. But what about the other answers that, or the other problems that are actually very difficult for an AI at the moment to solve, like spatial problems or connecting things laterally that wouldn't naturally be something that's already happened in the past, or taking events like in social studies that have happened, you know, two hundred ago and. 2000 years ago and comparing those two things and finding similarities and differences, those kinds of things of finding similarities, differences, problem solving, figuring out even where to find those resources is something that is still a human trait that will actually be, in my mind, the most important thing when we have more AI and more technology to take away the kind of dumbed down tasks that mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of us are doing in our day-to-day -day jobs now. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. those are kind of really fundamentals we push forward. And even if even if a child ends up not going into, even not a technical field, just yeah. like you said, the, the communication collaboration is going to serve anywhere. Yes. And, 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 cre like and create said, more rounded human beings. I mean, that's our <laughs> goal here. Exactly. Exactly. And like we said, except for maybe the farmer, although I am from Iowa originally, and we don't have a lot of Amish farmers, there's, there's actually a there's, lot of technology involved in farming these days. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's field, farm fields right outside the window, so we understand that. But not yeah. for the Amish. Yeah. The Amish aren't going to be using AI for no. the farming. No, <laughs> the rest of us might. technology still. I don't know, maybe. I think it's going to sink in eventually. I think the Mennonites <laughs> we'll can, see. but the Amish yeah. can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. What I find is interesting, so you're talking about collaboration and all of that, which I totally get, and maybe you can explain how your projects actually do that so the kids work together or whatever, um, but so many people think of coding and 
computer science geeks, sorry, Steve, <laughs> as like loners, right? And so, and our, I think our kids, the generation of kids are so isolated because everybody's yeah. on their phones. They don't know how to talk in real life, all these things. So I find it interesting that a coding program is actually mm -hmm. geared toward kind of breaking that wall down and helping kids to actually talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll address the, the first part of the question, but then it reminds me of a, a story from, from COVID that, that speaks exactly to that. So in our classes, um, they're usually small groups of three or four. We kind of group them into a cohort and they they create their own section name and they, they play games together. But also as they're creating their projects, they'll decide together what the theme is. And if, for example, one person's code isn't working, they'll show their screen and the other kids will actually help to debug the code. And so they're really supporting each other in their coding journeys. And like that, that data duck example, you know, we were giving their almost paired programming. And when they set out on their challenges, so every four weeks we have a new theme that has a different, um, um, you know, exciting game or um, project that they create. And so at the end of every challenge, which they oftentimes work together as a group to decide what their challenge is going to be, what is it that they're going to add to their projects. They all try to do it individually in their own code, but they'll be talking it through in case, you know, one 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 child might be like, oh, actually, we need to use an extra variable and then put it inside of a loop because mine's not working. Oh, I got it to work over here. This is what I did. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of how they start to, you know, speak back and forth um, to each other. But the what you mentioned about kind of the the isolation piece is fascinating because during COVID, I mean, I like to think that we had, you know, kind of we've now created all these micro generations because, you know, the the experience for my he would have been 11 year old was so much different than my nine year old because she wasn't quite proficient enough to chat on the phone yet. Like, you know, a lot of our teenage girls <laughs> um, and, you know, she couldn't really you know, go on online meeting. So she she became very isolated. Whereas mm -hmm. it was fascinating because my son was 11, but he was a gamer and he would still come together in these communities and they would chat and they would, okay, yeah, they'd be just be playing Minecraft and building some random building together in their server. But he didn't have that same experience because he had his kind of support network around him that was actually facilitated by this whole kind of, gamer inward looking world that a lot of us parents are terrified of and I I'm still kind of weary of even though that I existed in that world <laughs> it wasn't as online back in those days Mario Kart and Tony Hawk Pro Skater for me but <laughs> but um I saw how it actually was it almost flipped that model on its head because it provided an environment where yes they could come together and be techie gamers together but they could also had something to communicate about and talk about and um you know share and try to create this yeah. this world together so that really sunk into me and i thought you know just facilitating even a world for these kids to come together and speak to each other while doing the same thing is already a win and is already starts to form connection because they have this now shared project this shared experience which i think is something, especially in this digital age, is really difficult to manifest in, in an online world. It's like, how do we have team socials now when half my team's in London, the other half's in London? Uh -huh. uh -huh. You do these weird like game things online and you... Yeah. 
so it's a it's a it's a definitely evolving world but i think what we've seen in our classes is that these kids are forming real relationships with other children in their class they actually get very upset if they move up a level and their friends aren't ready to move up so we'll we'll keep them together and we'll just challenge you know the the child that maybe is a little bit more advanced but they're forming these real relationships which i mm-hmm. find as one of the most special things that has sort of come out of this you know environment of learning online yeah that's wonderful wow. very cool all <laughs> right any parting thoughts oh that's a big ask go on for a long time but <laughs> i mean i guess you know I have a very limited experience in the homeschooling world, but when, like anything, when I did jump into homeschooling, I jumped in wholeheartedly, did a lot of research and really set out, okay, this is, I live in Nevada. (laughs) This is the Nevada curriculum. What would be the things that tick off all of, all of those boxes and how can I actually make this relevant for my child? And the almost like wave of relief that came over me when I first jumped in, and this is when I first met met Tina, was so amazing. And I thought, actually, this is the this is where we should be rolling out cocoa coders to all the homeschooling parents because parents are our number one advocates. They see what's happening in the world. And the battle to get computer science and these really important skills into the curriculum is a hard one, but there there's this captive audience of homeschoolers that actually know what we think our children should learn. And that was my, you know, big aha moment and my favorite part about homeschooling. And again, if Jane didn't need that, you know, regular schedule and really structured environment, I would definitely keep it going. And it's something, you know, my husband and I are considering for our girls. So I guess my parting thought would just be, that, you know, in the homeschooling world, you have such an opportunity to, you know, set your children up for the best successes for their future. And I just hope that many of you will at least try um, a coding class. We have a coding class for free online to see if your kids, you know, take to it, see how they like it. Um, And also, you know, one of the other things Tina and I spoke about was that kind of knowledge of parents, you know, what if they don't know about coding? Uh, we also have a free guide online um, to um, how to raise future ready kids that has kind of a weekly um, intro for screen time, these kinds of things. So if you're interested, please sign up for that because it's it's free and it's hopefully just some of our knowledge over the years imparted um, to other parents to hopefully help you on your journey. So I guess I'll just part with a big thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to explore more of, you know, world because I think it's it's been fantastic for my experience. And I can just see what so many opportunities for those children that we're, we're providing for them as parents. And kudos goes out to any and everyone that's doing this <laughs> at home because seriously, wow, it was a big, a big lift. So well done. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a delight talking with you. And and as we mentioned, we'll put cococoders.com on the show notes and so everyone can find you. Um, And maybe we'll talk again sometime. Yeah, definitely. And reach out if any parents ever have questions, please reach out to me. I'm happy to chat through any worries, concerns, anything AI. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very, very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much for tuning in today. We trust that our discussion has provided you with some good insight that you can apply to your own homeschooling journey. If you have any questions with which we might help, do not hesitate to reach out to us via the Homeschool Loft's website at www.homeschoolloft.com or via email at loftcastinfo at gmail.com. That's loftcastinfo, all one word, at gmail.com.